Guess what? I'm moving country again. I don't know. Maybe a year. Maybe more. Where's home? Home's everywhere. I'm an expat. Hi, it's Pauline. Welcome to a new episode of Meet the Expats. Today I meet with Fanny, who has lived in Nigeria and is currently in Indonesia. And she's going to share with us her journey as a working mother abroad and also the fertilization process that uh, she and her husband went through while being abroad. Hi, Fanny. How are you? Hi, Pauline. Uh, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. So uh, I apologize already for my terrible French accent, no, but um, no it's not a problem. The day uh, an American told me that the French accent was the sexiest accent ever, that day I so decided that I would never improve my accent. <laughs> yeah, just keep it. <laughs> it's a good pass to get in anywhere. <laughs> exactly. Uh, a terrible accent and being called funny in an English-speaking word, these are the two best things you can ever have. People are going to remember you forever. <laughs> <laughs> True. I never thought of that. It's, it's something, I think, when you start traveling that you think about how you name your children internationally, yes. no? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, my parents didn't speak English at all, so they didn't right. realize that funny could be kind of a funny name abroad, but that's Misleading fine. Again, sometimes. like Yeah. <laughs> Embrace it. Embrace your difference. Yeah, go with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for reaching out. Maybe do you want to introduce yourself briefly and then we'll dive into your journey? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is uh, Fanny Butler. I am French, uh, as you can tell by my accent. And I grew up in a very, very small village in the south of France And although it was really lovely to be in the countryside, doing a lot of horse riding and being in nature, it also felt a lot like a prison for me. So yeah. uh, whenever I had the opportunity of traveling, for me, you know, I, I felt like I was stuck in a, such a small place compared to the world that was huge. So uh, I wanted to, to understand and, and see the world around Uh, a little further than, than my little <laughs> village. So um, when, I, when I did my studies, so I study uh, agronomy, uh, once that was done, I was like, okay, let's go somewhere. I had an opportunity <laughs> to work in Belgium. So you could say that okay. was my first expat the first step. experience. Yeah, the first step. Not too far away, you know, not as such. Keep it comfortable. <laughs> exactly. Same language, at least half of the country. So that's comfortable. And, um, and after that, well, not after, actually, I started traveling uh, around the world through this job, but only on sh short-term missions, like, you know, a few weeks mm. to one month. And it kind of gave me a little bit of a taste of, hmm, that's really nice. So for yeah. now, it's good. I have my horse. I have balance. It's fine. But I knew somehow that the day would come. I would want it more. And um, I then changed jobs, started traveling a lot in West Africa and Indonesia. And um, then I actually met my husband in Nigeria. Okay. Uh, he was a Kiwi, so a New Zealander, <laughs> expat in Nigeria. So uh, we meet and then we say, great, let's have an amazing adventure. So we got together and uh, then we moved after that to Cameroon first. So not Nigeria, Cameroon. Oh. And after Cameroon, a few years in Cameroon, then Indonesia, because again, I had the opportunity to work over there. 
So that's pretty much in a nutshell where we are. So right now we are in Indonesia, but this adventure is also coming to an end because we have decided to go back to France with our little daughter, two years old, which was also conceived in the process of being expatriates. So um, that was a fun uh, process. And uh, yeah, so there we go. We are at, uh, at the dawn of our next big transition, which is going back to France. A lot to unpack here. Um, let's move back to where you are currently. So you're in Indonesia. Uh, so you met your husband in Nigeria. You guys moved to Cameroon. What brought you to Indonesia and how was sort of that transition from Africa to Asia, which is completely different? Absolutely. It's, yeah, night and day. Um, so always the move, the shift, whenever we did was related to my work. So at first, okay. uh, so I was working in Belgium for a company with, with which I was traveling around West Africa and Indonesia, and they had... Um, expats. So right. I was working at the head office and at some point I really said, okay, from now I want to be an expat. You know, are you interested to have me? You know, like you kind of raise your <laughs> hand. Hey, please, I'm I want here. to go over there. It seems to be quite fun. So, um, so then we got offered the job in Cameroon. So I was working, my husband was not because of course mm. we had to decide, you know, like, um, am I following him? to Nigeria right. or is he following me and we go somewhere else. And okay. um, because we have quite a gap difference, uh, we have 18 years difference. So we decided that my career would be the priority. And right. because he was kind of at the end of his career and he had enough, you know, he was like, okay, okay. it's fun. So, so we moved to Cameroon. Uh, he was not working and I was. And then after a few years, I had the opportunity again, you know, just a job offer that I got to come to Indonesia. And in terms of uh, career, it's, it was really interesting for me because Indonesia in my um, field of work is quite advanced. So it would be right. like, usually Indonesia is offered to the people at the, at the end of their career. So that was quite an opportunity to go and, and, and see sustainability because I'm working in the field of sustainability for industrial plantations. So seeing uh, the sustainability world in a more advanced country. So that was the goal, just me and my career and my husband would follow. Okay. And so how did that go for your husband and his integration in, in Cameroon and in Indonesia then? <laughs> Often you see the opposite. So. <laughs> absolutely. So absolutely. So in the expat world, you are like for for people who are maybe not super familiar with it, it's it's very man oriented. It's the man and yeah. the wife is just following. Very That's often. It. That's how it is. And we, we see it on the podcast. Most interviews yeah. are women and very often I've had training spouses on this podcast. My mom was the same. I grew yeah. up that way. Yeah. <laughs> That's the norm. That's a, so, um, so you had this and you also have the factor that we were going uh, to countries and to places that are extremely remote. You know, it's not yeah. like you're going to Dubai or to Italy or to a nice mm. country where you can make a lot of friends, where you have a lot of networks. So, so it's isolated areas of the country that we go to. Yeah. And um, that, honestly, that was extremely difficult for him. 
that was difficult because, again, you have a network of expat wives. So right. you got invited to get some tea with the wife <laughs> of the networking. But, no, you you go like there once and then like uh, that's not really for me. You not know, my thing. <laughs> yeah, not really work. <laughs> so uh, so the the Cameron phase was a little bit difficult because also he doesn't speak French and obviously it was pretty much in French over there speak, um, yeah, and speakers. it was extremely isolated so luckily we had few friends and friends that were speaking English but that was pretty much it so there was not a lot to do we didn't have our daughter at that time so he was really you know like a alone. little bit <laughs> alone in the house trying to organize and getting busy with stuff but not being able to meet a lot of people and being judged by people as well. Oh, because really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the mentality is quite backwards, you know, like it's like okay. 50 years ago. Like you could right. you could feel that it was not 100% okay. You know, it's, well, you're, oh. you're a little bit weird, you know, like you're not working and your wife is. So... So that, that time for him was, was not the easiest. And then imagine. we moved to Indonesia. Here we are in a city. So again, we are not in, the, we are not in Bali. We are not in mm. the nice, beautiful yeah. places of Indonesia. We are in industrial uh, areas um, and we are in, in the city of, of Medan. But here you have a community that is more developed. It's English speaking. Okay. So easier, it's, yeah. it's easier. So here it's easier for him to have a network of, of people. But again, he was invited to have, you know, like the, the, the tea. tea with the ladies, you know, where you bring a cake and you have some tea and you gossip and, you know, it's very nice, but it's, you know, it has limitations. <laughs> you didn't find other activities. Uh, there's no golf club or I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there is. So luckily, he he really likes to play golf. So he he's very good at it. So he could, you know, like socialize and also through the school. And now, of course, we have a kid. So he's also really busy at home and also meeting people through the kids. If, you know, the kid go to the kindergarten or things like that. So so luckily, you do have a life. But um, right. but yeah, so here it's better, but it can definitely be a challenge. Yeah, for, for a man following his, his partner. His wife. Uh, yeah. yeah, his wife. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine that that situation doesn't happen very often and that the existing community is maybe very closed <laughs> towards <Yeah>. it. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. But interesting to hear about it, definitely. To know that it exists also is, uh, is nice to hear. Yeah, I only have one other example and uh, the, of, of a couple that is in the same situation. And uh, they are way older. So, they are, so the, oh. the woman, she, she's at the end of her career. And that's quite interesting because I was thinking, well, it must have been even harder for them. Because, I mean, you know, like today we hear about, you know, like everybody's working and it's normal that your wife is working and it's okay. So it's more accepted, yeah. you know, as, as in our culture. Um, yeah, but, but back uh, in the days it was... <laughs> back in the day it was worse. But also I think, you know, like uh, in, in the local culture, whether Africa or, or here in Indonesia, it's a bit weird. Like sometimes yeah. people, when we introduce ourselves to people and my husband say he's taking care of our daughter, you know, it's a little bit 
what? You know, like you have a little <laughs> bit of surprise. And in the worst case, then people do not really speak to him. But that's quite, you know, it doesn't happen every day. People are just like, mm. find it funny. So. <laughs> All right. Well, talking about your, your daughter, maybe let's shift to this uh, topic, which I, I know you wanted to bring up and I, I think is interesting to, to discuss is you guys went, didn't go through the natural process of having a children plus doing this abroad. Um, so there's yeah. probably a lot, a lot involved uh, mentally and emotionally. So how were you able to go through this process, find the information and the support that you need when you're in this situation (laughs) so uh so the story is uh we needed medical assistance to to be able to have a child and uh so it started um so we knew we would have issues from the time we were in belgium and then we we moved to cameroon so we're like okay we're gonna start a process uh in cameroon and and the first thing that my gyne- gynecologist said was, you know, ju- just try at first um, artificial insemination. And <laughs> I will not go into detail, but I did that in a local hospital in Cameroon. Oh. That was a pretty bad idea. Like, <laughs> not, you know, ignorance is bliss. So, you, you know, at first you're like, no, it's going to be fine. You know, like it's the it's, same everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's the same everywhere. It's not that bad. And then you, you are, you know, in a, on a gynecologist table with four black guy holding you on the table. And because you're stressed, you know, in Cameroon, like mm. they are very physical. They're going to touch you. Uh, and, and in our culture, you just don't do that. But for mm. them, you, you just uh, fine. You feel more comfortable. They're going to do it. So... You're like here, trapped. You have electricity breakdown in the middle of oh, the process. The oh, it was just a complete disaster. And uh, you know when you say, oh, you have to be calm, no stress. Well, it was just a complete. Mm, okay, that's not gonna work. <laughs> so, that's not gonna work. It didn't work, especially having to go back. You know, on on the tracks in Africa, full of bumps and mm. oh, it was. It was a disaster, but a really fun experience. It's a cool story to have, you know, like to to discuss now. Uh, So after that, what we did and what I would recommend if anyone would be in the same same situation is to directly go and search for clinics that are specialized in expatriates. Because usually Mm. this type of process, you have to be close to the clinic because you have some treatment to follow uh, you have some injections to do, so you need to have the ability to have the medication and to have a, a hospital close by. So, right. n- so just choose. You you have different networks of of clinics that are specialized into um, clients that are expatriates. So we chose one that was in the Czech Republic, for the reason that it was also um, a direct flight for, from where we were. So, you know, because you have to organize according to uh, the capacity of the clinic and the organizational matter. So you need to have transport quickly, fast to the clinic. But so so did you like settle in Czech Republic for a few months or would you would you just go back and forth? You go back and forth because you have the ability to do because they are specialized into expatriates. So they can give you, you know, like one month of medication and you can do some some control if you have a clinic uh, in your local country um, 
and then you you know you send the result and they guide you through the process okay. like that. Yeah, you don't have um, to be in every week. Uh... Yeah, yeah, no. Okay, that that would be that would be difficult. So so we spend few few weeks uh, in Prague, which is an absolutely Beautiful amazing city. and lovely city. We absolutely love it, um, and it's such a long, terrible, isolating process. So you you are already living isolated. You are mm. expat. A lot of people do not understand the expat life. And then you have also this process that is also isolating and extremely hard uh, emotionally. So uh, I think the best way and the way we did it, we had uh, good emotional support, and like good people. And you have to discuss with people who can understand what yeah. it is. And what you you're know? going through. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's it's so hard to explain when you haven't been through it. You can explain it, but you cannot be really fully understood. Mm. Um, so so the process in Cameroon didn't work. So we did one IVF cycle, which consists in retrieving your eggs, which is the worst part for the woman. Uh, retrieving the sperm is really easy. They make the two little bugger meat in a tube <sighs> and then back into the woman. Um, so this whole cycle didn't work. So we, we tried twice. So in the end, you ha we had two embryos, didn't work. Then we did the same process again in Malaysia. Luckily for us, we are one hour uh, away from Malaysia. We okay, in a plane, so, so that was <laughs> closer. That was better. And uh, we did the whole cycle again and it worked. Uh, so that's, that's how we could Success. get our little girl. And uh, and yeah, so that was that's a difficult process. If you can, I think it's really good to discuss with your company. If in my case I was working, so I basically mm. was taking holiday to go. Right. And in one of my company, I could share it with my management in the sense that I had people above me that would understand the process. Mm and the difficulty and would be, you know, like more understanding of the situation. If you have difficulties, if you have big emotions because you're under hormones, you know, like super yeah. heavy treatments. <laughs> so you can get emotional from, <laughs> from one anything. minute to another. And you're like, I'm crying. I'm telling you I'm fine, but it's just the hormone. So it's better if you can explain that. In the second company, I didn't have, someone I could explain what was going on. So that was a little harder. Luckily, it yeah. worked. So that was, you know, kind of easier in yeah, that sense. Yeah, at least was, <laughs> you fought yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I think, yeah, sharing that with your management, if you have this space, you know, like someone you can explain that to, that's really useful. So, and of course, you know, like do not give up. Uh, you have, you have a... Beautiful news at the end of the tunnel, but it can be very long. Very long. All right. And so you you said yeah, surrounding yourself with uh, people that su support you. For for you guys, was it that you already had a network strong enough, or did you actually go find maybe associations or other people who had gone through the same uh, process abroad? It was mainly through our personal network, so either right. friends or family, friends that sometimes were um, in our country, so for example, mm. like friends in Cameroon or friends in Indonesia. But um, yeah, no, we didn't, we didn't 
reach to any association or anything. I think it's also a good call, a good idea. Um, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of information about the process yeah. as well. Uh, so you do find a little bit, but not necessarily on the expat situation. You're like, mm, you're kind yeah, of doubling, you know, the difficulties. <laughs> yeah. so, 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 yeah. So just, and if you don't want to, to listen to it, because sometimes I had period where I was like, okay, I've got enough, you know, enough of mm. hearing about it, enough of listening or having information, just want to live my life, focusing on my work. That's fine too. You know, I go with the flow. Yeah, go as you feel. <laughs> yeah, and I think actually go with the flow is just like the, the perfect summary of the expat experience. You're going to encounter oh, yeah. <laughs> so many like crazy situations that just go with the flow. <laughs> you can't control everything, but do listen to yourself a little bit. I think that's one of the biggest yeah. things that I've heard is really listen to your gut feeling of yeah. either yeah. it's I can fight through this or it's just time to go. Sometimes don't push it. If it's not working, it's not working. It's <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely all right um so you were mentioning that the time in indonesia is coming to an end and it's time to move back to france where did this decision come from and how are you sort of preparing for this this return yeah so very good question. So how did it come? Uh, I would say it's a combination of factors. So uh, the we always knew our expat experience as a family would be temporary. We, we didn't want okay. to live abroad forever. So we knew that. Now, right. you, you can know that. You still don't know when it's going to end. Mm. And uh, we decided it was the right time for various reasons. So... Prior to having my child, uh, I was a career bunny. You know, like I, I okay. want career. I wanted to be a CEO. I wanted to be, you know, one of these female in this very manish world because there is just men around me and above. And so, so that's fine. That was my goal. And mm. having a child, I think, just really shifted my priorities and what I really wanted to do. And okay. I had to accept that because at first I was a little bit fighting it because, of course, you know, you've built something for so many years and suddenly you're like, well, you know what? Actually, I'm going to change all that and come back. That's correct. <laughs> My best life is now, you know, being a, a wife at home, you know. <laughs> I will always work because I like working. But yeah, it was, it was quite... Um, something that like a conversation I had to have me, with myself but yeah. also you know my husband followed me and followed my mm. career so suddenly you're like uh honey sorry but actually I think I don't want to do that anymore you know so it's you have to have this this internal conversation and also this conversation with your your partner with your husband mm. um just to say well look I think it's shifted and now I want to spend more time with my daughter. Um, and it's not okay for me to, to not to be the primary caregiver because my yeah. husband is the primary caregiver. Whenever my, my daughter has a problem, she runs yeah. to him. Right. And that's also a reality you have to face when, when, you, when you are a working mom and your husband is staying at home. Some people are going to be like 100% okay with it. I was not. And I was not expecting 
me to be so not okay with shift. it. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I was not expecting the shift at all. I really believe, you know, like I, I did a master in management. I mean, I did all of this because I wanted to have a career. My dream was to be yeah. a CEO. And then suddenly you have a shift and you're like, well, that's not my dream anymore, actually. I have better things to do. I want to do something else with my time. So uh, how are we going to deal with that? And especially when, when you've been abroad for, for, for so long. So, so facing all of these, because basically my work, I see my daughter one hour a day which for oh, me is wow. not enough, right? Sure. And I, yeah. I also have to travel a lot. And, and that's also, I think, something that's difficult when you don't have a management that is a little bit modern, you know, that mm. would not really understand. I mean, for example, my, uh, my N plus one uh, was always joking around that. Uh, so he had three daughters and that he never had to change more than two one nappies. Number in his life so when oh, you have wow. a guy like that and you you need to explain to him that for you you're having difficulties because you know you you are a new mom there is every all this new world that you're discovering and you know like your job is kind of not the priority anymore how do you want mm. to have a discussion with someone like that yeah so that's that's difficult so this shift in me plus you know like the conditions here that, you know, you have to, to wonder as a parent at some mm. point, what do you want for your child? Mm. And do you want to give your child the, the best education, the best system, um, like availability to a lot of things? Like if you want to go to, uh, I don't know, like a, a sports club, if, you want, if she wants to be part of a, a the swimming team or whatever, you know, like you, you don't have that here. You don't. Right. So. What do you want? So because all these priorities shifted, then we said, okay, no problem. We're going to move back to France. Why France? It's a little bit of a... Honestly, it was 50-50 between New Zealand and France because my husband is from New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And we said, well, actually, there is a very practical matter. We have a dog. She cannot go to New Zealand because of oh. rabies. So she has, we have to go back <laughs> to France anyway. So, so there was a very... Uh, down to earth logistics. <laughs> so, so we said, okay, let's let's settle in France and um, develop some some. We both have the opportunity to work as consultant, work from home, mm. which is such a better setup for us because yeah. we want more time. I want more time with my daughter, and uh, my husband Kevin. He also wants less time with his daughter yeah, and a little more time for doing his own thing, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so, so the goal is to go back to France and find a new balance yeah. and, and see how all of this goes. But, you know, you never know. Maybe we're going to go to New Zealand at some point or somewhere else. I don't know. But for the yeah. moment, yeah, like kind of getting some roots in France for some time. Yeah, that would, that's nice. the goal. Well, lovely. Thanks for all these insights. <laughs> Let's move on to the recommendations then, uh, which is a piece I always enjoy. So I guess we'll do Indonesia as you're there. <laughs> yes, what would be better. your top uh, three recommendations for one bar, one restaurant and one carte blanche, whatever you want? <laughs> okay, so bar is a little bit of a difficult one because it's uh, mostly a Muslim country. Mm. You don't have a lot cafe, of uh, if you want. alcohol. Cafe. Rum, but there is a really, really cool place 
that is, that is called Omlandia. So it is in Medan. It's a little bit on the outskirts of the city. And it's a place where you actually, you have a restaurant, you have a bar, and you have a little bit of accommodation. So even mm. for a staycation, sometimes we go there and we <laughs> the weekend. And they have absolutely delightful food. So uh, it's a couple, so he's Dutch and she's Indonesian. So you, you have a mix of food from uh, Holland, but also food from Indonesia. And sometimes I try to create kind of, you know, like high <laughs> So that's really, really cool. So as, as a bar, I would go there. Uh, another recommendation for a restaurant would be, um, it's a chain restaurant, but that's the best Japanese restaurant ever. It's called Sushi Tei. And if you want to eat real Japanese food, Apparently, it's the best you can find. Uh, so this one is, is amazing. I, I'm pretty sure they must be like all around in Asia, these guys. But sushi, <laughs> it's quite it's, it's expensive, but it's really, really up there. Like, yeah. And all the Japanese are saying it's, you know, it tastes like the best. Home. So, so, yeah, I would That's always a that. good sign. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think the last one is. So, uh, so Medan and the Sumatra Island is not very well known for, um, for holiday, for tourism, but there is a place that is absolutely, there are two places that are absolutely amazing that are a must go. The first one is a place where you can see orangutan. Oh. Uh, it's called Bukit Lawang. So it's orangutan that, that, used to be, it was a rehabilitation center. And then when they were okay, they were released in an area. It's in the wild. It's close to a big national park, uh, the Luzer uh, National Park. But they are not really wild. You know, like they are yeah. semi-wild. But you, okay. you still can you approach can them. them. Yeah, you can see them. And that's an amazing experience. Imagine, and the oh. second one is Lake Toba which is a, a, a super volcano. So you have now a lake and you have uh, accommodation over there. The, it's um, the land of the Batak people. And uh, right. this, is, this is a very well-known tribe of Indonesia. And they have a lot of uh, uh, craft and a, a strong, strong traditional culture over there. So that would be my recommendation. Okay, well, you guys can check it out if you ever go to Medan then. <laughs> and now we can move on to your expat song. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I had to think about it really hard because um, I'm a little bit weird when it comes to music. Music comes and goes depending on my mood and the phase mm. I, I'm at with my life. But I would say there is one uh, artist and one song that I particularly love and she's actually making all these songs when she travels. So it's Lorena McKennett. Okay. And she is known for using a lot of traditional instruments in her music. Uh, so, for example, sitar or the harp. Uh, so a lot of instruments that you do not usually hear. Mm. And the one song that for me transports me whenever I listen to it is Kavaran Serai. So this song is about... Um, going through the desert with camels and oh. really you listen to it and you're like you see it you have the picture you're there <laughs> so whenever i have a like a down moment you know because sometimes of course the expat experience can be mm -hmm. ha hard sometimes then i listen to this song and it's kind of a reminder of 
it's still beautiful. Yeah, even even if it's hard, it's still beautiful. Mm. So so yeah. Yeah, I so like that. That would be my recommendation. <laughs> There's a real <laughs> symbolism behind it. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much for joining, Fanny. Uh, we had a lovely, lovely chat and lots of great recommendations if anyone is going through the same process of uh, medically assisted fertilization. Yeah. You also have a podcast for any of the Frenchies who are listening. It's Vita meilleure vie, absolutely. Vita meilleure vie. Yeah. yeah. Which so is in English, live your best life, basically. Exactly. So yeah. the link will be in the comments as well as all the recommendations and the expat song. Thank you so, so much, Pauline. I love your podcast and uh, I listen to it. And I think that the diversity of, of your guests is really amazing and it can give a really good insight for expats. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for the feedback. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if you enjoyed the episode, go put a rating and a couple of stars on Spotify or Apple Podcast. And as usual, you can get a few updates on Instagram. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.